Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking to Wesley Kwok, one of the co-founders of Notice Watches. On the episode, we get into how Wes says the microbrain scene has changed since he's first gotten into it. After that, we get into how he and Colin first got started into watches. Then, we move on to a little bit of a tangent into the world of guitars, followed up by the biggest secret in the microbrand scene, the microband. Finally, we finish off the episode with what's next for notice. Wes was great to talk to, and we really enjoyed having him on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 31 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. We have with us Wes Kwok from Notice Watches. Uh, we've been we've been talking about this for a while, Wes, so it's great to have you on finally. Uh, we've we've spent some time with the uh, Retrospect 2, uh, which has made an appearance on Zeit's Watches, our, our website, and uh, uh, just a sneak peek. We love it. So uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, we've been talking for a while on Instagram, but I think when we started talking, I was still stuck in Asia. So uh, so it's good to be back now that we're on the somewhat on the same uh, time time zone, so we can actually talk at a reasonable hour. Yes, definitely. Um, so uh, as everybody knows, we typically start out with a uh, a drink check and a wrist check. So Wes, what are you drinking and what are you wearing? Sure. Uh, I'm actually, I'm double wristing. Uh, the reason why is because I was doing a shoot. So this, the Laguna I just showed you actually isn't even set. Um, it's not even <laughs> ticking, to be honest with you. But my actual timekeeper is my Grand Seiko. Um, and forgive me if I mistake the reference number. I'm not that great at that. But SPGM221, uh, I believe, or 021, one of the two. I'm not sure which is which. Really, the only difference is the dial. Um, the one of them just says Seiko where the logo should be and the other one says Grand Seiko. I think that's the only difference. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my actual watch. And then uh, for my drinks, I have two drinks. I figured, you know, I have two watches. I should have two drinks. It's the uh, responsible thing to do. Uh, so I'm drinking a official hazy IPA by Bells. It's all right. I, I wouldn't recommend it. And then the uh, George Dickel rye whiskey. First time. Here's the bottle. Yeah. First time trying this one. Uh, for 25 bucks, I'm a fan. Uh, they, I just found out they actually don't distill this one in-house. Uh, they are a distiller, but this is the one whiskey that they have that they don't actually make in-house. They contract it out to a uh, OEM or some, some kind of distiller. Interesting. I did not know yeah. that. We're, uh, we're big rye fans on the podcast. It's, that's my go-to when I mix a, uh, a Manhattan. So. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, it's just any rye. Like I've not had the Dickel, so I'll have to give it a shot. Um, if you if like you spicy ryes, I I would recommend it. Oh yeah, no, I definitely yeah. it, it it marries like a rye marries very well with the sweet vermouth and takes it's mm-hmm. not just all sweet on sweet in a Manhattan. So I, I really yeah. like that. Nice. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk a little bit more about that contrail you got on your wrist here in a little bit. Sure. <laughs> Spangler, <laughs> what have you got? Um. It's actually really funny. You're you're drinking the uh, the Dickel Rye. That's actually made an appearance on the show before. I think I had it um, probably like in one of the first five episodes. And I'll, mm. I'll agree, it's a, it's a really good one for twenty five bucks. You can't really go wrong with it. Um, but yeah. So what I'm wearing. Um, so I uh, took my first test of the semester today. So I'm wearing my uh, my test watch since I'm really superstitious. But it's uh, my Omega Speedmaster. Um, mm. This has been on the show plenty of enough, plenty enough time. So, uh, you know, I don't need an introduction for that. Um, I'm just a superstitious guy. So uh, I, I wear it every test. Whatever um, helps, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Fingers crossed and wear the watch is my, my, my motto. Um, yeah, and what I'm drinking since I'm down in Louisiana and some of this stuff that you really can't get in Ohio is pretty readily available. I was able to walk into a store and just get some Eagle Rare uh, pretty easily. So I'm drinking some of that tonight. Um yeah, nice. it's shocking. What you can, it's shocking what you can find down here that you cannot find in Ohio. It's actually uh, it's almost mind blowing. Actually, mm-hmm. you didn't even have to go to a shady liquor store, did you? You just went to whichever one was closest. No, I just went to like the the big chain of grocery stores down here, which actually has some pretty good store picks for uh, Woodford Reserve. Um, <laughs> I, 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 we're so close to Kentucky and Cincinnati too. Like we are literally. I can see it from my office when I used to go into my office. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that five months ago? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I um, totally imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, I will. I will go next and let Buzz. Uh, well, you guys. Yeah. What do you got, Buzz? 
I'm just predicting with all of the really easy to get bourbons and, and rise down Louisiana an updated 2020 version of Smokey and the Bandit starring uh, Evan when he comes back up north <laughs> instead, of, yeah. instead of Coors he's got uh, Eagle Rare and uh, all these other great forbidden fruits yeah. uh, well, I mean, yeah. if, he's, if he's swinging by his parents house he should definitely swing by my house on the way and drop something off <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we, we've got that sample coming in from uh, our, our friends at uh, Timeless Luxury, so you can, you can get your thirst. At some point. I need, to, I need to give Mike a call about that. It's yeah. been a while since I've heard anything. Um, anyway, I'll go next since Buzz has got uh, the one of the watches we'll be talking about. Um, I am drinking, you know, I, I'm not as fancy as Buzz, so I don't shake my cocktails very often because I usually just try to mix them really quickly. So I'm not going to call it a Boulevardier. Um, I'm going to call it an Avenure. It's uh, essentially a Boulevardier, but it was just kind of swished in the glass, kind of like this after I poured it. Um, just kind of do one of those. I don't shake it 50 times, uh, but it does have uh, Buffalo Trace. It does have actual Campari, some very low-end um, uh, vermouth that I don't know if it's turned or not because I'm not that sophisticated, and mm-hmm. orange bitters at the recommendation of our buddy Mike Stockton from Fratello. Um, so not a Boulevardier, Avenure, that's what I'm calling it, uh, but it's it's doing the job for me right now. And then on the wrist, since I didn't want Buzz to be the only one wearing a loner watch, um, don't tell VJ, I guess VJ probably knows we still have this, but I've got on the Oris uh, um, Pro Pilot X, <laughs> which uh, we still have, and uh, really dig this watch. Um, it has also received the same treatment as the Retrospect 2. I've written a initial take and a work, re- work week watch wrap. Because uh, we love the alliteration here um, about this one as well, um, so yeah, been been wearing that a little bit. Uh, did have to wind it up today though. I haven't worn it. Been been wearing some of my own watches, which is nice to do on occasion. Um, but yeah, so Buzzy, bring us home. What have you got? All right, well, uh, drink first, right? I posted a tease to the gram before we started recording. I'm drinking the Prince of all whiskeys. Yes, Kirkland's best. <laughs> Canadian whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Kirkland probably couldn't make a better whiskey if they tried. It's delightful. I still love it. I'm not that sophisticated, Spence. And on my wrist, I am you have del- all fooled. Yeah. I I am delighted to have the notice retrospect. We've got we've got the salmon dial on loan. Thank you, Wes. Mm-hmm. It, it it's great. So when I went to pick this up from uh, Mike, my first response when I opened up the box, I actually let out an audible "damn." It he did, uh, <laughs> yeah, he could tell you. Fantastic, fantastic watch. I really that that dial color is so much fun. Okay, when you hear salmon. It, no, it's not going to match your faded Nantucket red pants. Okay, that's all right. It, it walks this <laughs> walks this line between. It's very champagne in some way, and it picks up a, a little bit more pinkish color in others. But it's always great to look at. Also, because you guys obviously are very detail oriented, the date wheel, the date wheel background matches the dial what's not to love there very very awesome detail um the dial the dial is sweet it's a sandwich dial sandwiches are delicious this dial is delicious i love the fact (laughs) i love the fact that the center of the dial is actually very spare and it's very purposefully spare. It says notice retrospect and it has your logo on it. And then when you get out to the edge, you've got all this great detail, both dimensionally in and out of the dial with the sandwich dial, but then you've got your, your minute track um, where where your, your minutes are subdivided, really, really good looking. You've got actual outlines around those those uh, sandwich uh, dial around those hour markers and then even the minutes out outboard at every five uh, I, I really like how that uh, sets up there's just a ton of balance there 
uh, the, the hands are sweet. The, uh, I believe Mike Stockton calls them stadium bezels where they're, they're curved in, mm-hmm. uh, is very cool combined with, with the, uh, with the slightly domed crystal H link bracelet, knocking it out of the park. I'm normally not drawn to H links. There's such good dimension. Once again, just like the dial in, in and out uh, of the bracelet is, you notice when you look at it from the side that that there's a very slight radius on the faces uh, of both the H's and the connecting parts. The connecting parts are just a little bit taller than the H's. Just such such great details all around, and so just awesome job, man. I, Thank I, you. Thank you. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it, and uh, Evan soon to be enjoying it, I assume. <laughs> Fingers crossed. As soon if as you make it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Buzz doesn't we'll make know, sure you skip get town and hide from, hide from me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no no rush on getting it back. Uh, enjoy it as long as you want. And then, um, you know, when you're ready. You know, it must be awesome being kind of uh, press in the watch industry because you don't really have to buy any of your own watches. You just <laughs> rotate through all the demo pieces that you guys can get. It's funny. Uh, the, the guys from Scottish Watches joke about that. They're like, "I kind of did he forget we had that? Let's just not bring it up on air." No, uh, we actually Buzzy and I were kind of joking that instead of instead of getting it back, you may just get one of our credit card numbers back. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's we're like, I mean, I we're we're just like it for for the price point that you guys are in. It's a lot of watch for the money. It, the design is fantastic. We really like it. Like I said, we Evan, I think we'll enjoy his time with it as well. Um, but there's not really really too much to there's 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 not very many flaws with it um no. and it's it's just the week that i had it on i was wearing it every day for a work week i really like it was one of those that i looked down mm-hmm. at it and it was like it was just fun to fun to look at fun to glance at um love to take it outside and come back in because we talked about yeah. all the loom that's on it which we'll get into here in a little bit um but it's a lot of like i i enjoyed my i had it had it for a significant amount of time i really enjoyed wearing it quite a bit um, glad to hear man yeah, glad to hear yeah it's it's a it's a great piece um but you've got some new stuff coming out, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the listeners who haven't, uh, who aren't as familiar, uh, why don't you give us a quick rundown on the origin of Notice Watches? Um, uh, you and Cullen go back quite a ways uh, as we were catching up uh, before mm-hmm. we recorded. So uh, talk about your buddy uh, Cullen and, and what got you guys into watches and then uh, how you guys decided to start your own brand. Sure. Uh, so Notice is kind of our second venture together. Our first one started at the ripe old age of 12 and a half years old. Um, <laughs> we started a band together. Uh, we first met, we were, we were living in China at the time. Uh, you know, we're, we're both American. He's from here in California. I was born in Florida, but kind of lived in Pennsylvania for you know the earlier part of my life. But our parents' jobs took them overseas, and you know we didn't really have a choice. They just packed us in a suitcase and took us along. <laughs> um, so, found myself in Beijing, and um, we met up. And one of our mutual friends, he basically, you know, was just trying to show me around the school, getting to know me, asked me if I, you know, what do I play sports? Am I into, you know, what am I into? And back then, believe it or not, I wasn't into watches. I, I was really into guitar, though. Um, I, I played music for as long as I could remember. So I said, yeah, I'm a guitar player. And he's like, I got just the guy for you to meet. So literally that day after school, went over to Cullen's house, knocked on his door. And he comes out in this like bright bluish purple Megadeth sweater. And I'm like, yeah, this is just the guy for me to meet. Um, but I, I introduced myself and I said, hey man, you wanna you wanna jam? Come over and bring your guitar. I have a couple amps. We can just plug in and you know see what happens. And uh, sure enough, like ten minutes later, he showed up at my house with his guitar. And you know that day we decided, all right, we're gonna start a band together. So we spent the next uh, what seven years playing together in a band. We got pretty good traction uh, in China. We recorded an album. We ended up parting ways when college came around. Uh, he came out to California. I went to Boston. So you couldn't, you really couldn't get further apart, at yeah. least in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went on to study music and then graduated in three years. And after that, I spent a year kind of doing freelance work, traveling a little bit. And I came to California right after that. So when I basically, when I should have graduated, which is when Colin ended up actually graduating. I moved out to LA. So sure enough, he was the first one I called. You know, we kept in touch the whole time, um, but he was the first one I called. And it was, 
you know, actually sitting right here at my bar where um, I'm, I'm still living in the same place. We were just having probably too many beers. Um, and he was like, man, this whole job application thing kind of sucks, doesn't it? And um, I was like, yeah, I mean, I never, never really applied for jobs. I was doing freelance work for, um, you know, I was doing SEO, web development things. Okay. And um, I was like, yeah, I mean, we just realized that the whole corporate world, it wasn't for us. Um, but thing is, I will rewind just a little bit. In college, we got into watches simultaneously, pretty much the same week. But we didn't talk about it. You know, we, we were talking about, you know, the things that we we're used to talking about music, beer, food, cooking, you know, we're, we have way too many hobbies. So we're like, why, you know, we didn't even think the other would get into watches. He took it a little bit too far. He ended up like buying a bunch of watches, tearing them apart, modding Seikos. And he was really heavy into the Seiko modding scene. Nice. And um, so that that came up when we had that conversation. I was like, hey, you uh, used to mod watches, right? And he was like, yeah, he was actually wearing a Black Bay that, you know, college budget, we can't really afford a Tudor Black Bay. So he, he built one himself. Um, so I was like, why, why not start a watch company? You know, we were familiar with all of the micro brands like Helios and Mark II and Raven, you know, the, the OGs of our space. And, um, you know, we, we weren't friends with them, but we, we've communicated via email. We've ordered a bunch of their watches in the past. And uh, we were like, yeah, why, why don't we try this out? So he was like, yeah, sure. I wasn't expecting a, a yes that easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, like working, you know, working right? with him in the band, it was... It, it wasn't difficult, but there was a lot more convincing that I was expecting uh, that had to be done. Um, but he was like, "Yeah, let's uh, let's look into it." So we literally designed a watch that day, booked our flights to uh, to Hong Kong, where we knew that there was this watch show going on. We weren't really sure what to expect. We weren't sure what exactly what it was, but you know, we just knew we had to be there. So we booked a flight, went there, met a bunch of different manufacturers, a diff bunch of different factories and um, came back and waited for five, six months where we you know, spent the time just researching the industry, building the website, uh, got our prototypes in, took photos, and then we launched. Uh, and you know, since then we've had our heads down. So it's really, it's hard to stop and like reflect, which is why I really like doing things like this because it kind of forces me to just stop and you know, zoom out a little bit, get the big picture. Um, but yeah, that, that was a, uh, four-ish years ago that that happened yeah, and apparently we're still here nice. yeah you, you guys are very much still here so Wes um when, when you guys actually made the uh, jump and and started out the company I mean was, was this your only demand on your time or did you guys have anything else that you were doing on the side or was it just all all in um well it wasn't all in for me mostly because you know I still have bills to pay rent whatever um so I, I continued freelancing for the first i would say probably year maybe year and a half of of notice um but i very quickly realized that there's no part-time in this kind of job you know oh. like when someone emails in or sends you a dm you know like you can't afford to delay you know customer services especially in, in micro brands customer service is you know of utmost importance um, you know, things like that, you know, and then the time difference between here and Asia and, and our suppliers, we have to be up all the time. And, you know, so there's, there's no way we could make this a part-time thing. Um, Colin had a little bit of money saved up. He'd, he had worked throughout college. Uh, well, both of us had worked throughout college. So that's kind of how we funded the whole thing. We, we didn't go through Kickstarter or any of that. We just put all of our life savings into this thing. Uh, took out a little bit of a personal loan just to to get to the minimum of what we needed to produce the watches. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't get paid, uh, I think, two years in. We, we didn't pay ourselves for the first two years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, Wes, I know the company started around 2017. Um, at least that's what your bio says. So I'm hoping I'm getting that right. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. 2017. Okay. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, at least in the microbrand space, from at least my kind of naive perspective, I know a lot of stuff has changed. But on your end, um, when it comes to, like starting the brand and how you've like followed it up from that, how is like your kind of ethic around the brand change and like what has changed in the microbrand space from 
the start of your uh, of your sure. company? Um, so I'll, I'll start with the micro brand kind of landscape. Um, you know, and I, that's kind of on the forefront of my mind anyways, because Colin always says, man, if I had to start this again, I like with today's climate, I have no idea how it would start, you know, and, and this is even like removed from the whole COVID and economy thing, you know, just the, the, the way micro brands behave these days, you know, he has no idea where you would start now. And that is to say, basically micro brands are starting to appear a lot more like real professional brands you know and with especially with this whole covid thing we already kind of had a step up because we start our brands digitally native you know it, it's not like we start with brick and mortar and then oh shit, you know now no one's coming into brick and mortar stores we have to move into the internet world no no, no. this is like this is where we live this is where we thrive and this is where everyone knows about us and we still find that very competitive and it would be very hard right now to start again um, you know, aside from the sheer number of brands coming up, the quality, and you know, I know everyone always talks about how micro brand quality is, you know, bang for buck, it's, you get crazy quality for not super expensive, but I don't think people really understand what that means. You know, like now a lot of the factories that do manufacture for the big Swiss companies, and again, even more so because of this whole COVID thing, they're opening their doors to micro brands, to small, independent, even even fresh startups that don't even have a website yet. You know, they're opening their doors to new brands. And these are now you're getting these brand new watches of no heritage and no brand strength coming out of essentially the same factories as the big Swiss players that have been around for 100 plus years. So, you know, for us, we're, we're in a position now where we have a pretty unique supply chain, at least as far as the micro brands go, where we work directly with factories, we don't have any kind of OEM, that would be impossible to do now. You know, we would pretty much be be stuck with OEMs. And you know, it's just, just to put into context, I, I mentioned that earlier on, uh, with the whole whiskey thing, but an OEM is really just a middleman that manufactures for you on your behalf. Um, you know, they have all the machinery and they have all the connections to all the different components, factories. And, um, you know, we would be stuck with that, which is not a bad thing. You know, most brands do that. In fact, even most big Swiss brands do that. There's not a problem with that. The only problem comes when you have very specific requests, like specific things that you want to do, whether it's change the loom pigment or, um, you know, experiment with a bezel mechanism or different shapes of the case or different shapes of the sapphire. You know, those things are pretty set in stone when it comes to most OEMs. Um, and so that's a luxury that we literally got lucky to, to, to stumble upon. That wouldn't happen now. You know, that just everyone's kind of keeping their cards a little bit closer to their chest, partially because of COVID, but also because, you know, just their, the number of players. And I feel like also the design quality has gone up there's less homages and don't get me wrong i actually love homages i have i have a couple of homages um but you know the the creativity that we're seeing now in the micro brand space brands like zelos or um uh you know some newer brands like albany coast you know these are really killer designs that you wouldn't expect from a brand doing this for the very first time uh as far as notice goes what has changed? Not much, to be honest. We still uh, drink too much beer. We still <laughs> play a lot of guitar. We do more things now. We we take our. Th I think my photography has gotten a little bit better. Um, we start a <laughs> podcast, so they're more like kind of tangential things. You know, like most of the operations stayed the same. You know, we still work very closely with our supply chain. We still do the assembly and regulation in house. You know, we still answer not all most of the emails and dms now we have cam our uh, first employee helping us out with some of that stuff um, but for the most part you know we still work from home this is this has been my work from home attire since four years ago so not too much has changed as far as uh, as notice goes have you guys considered dropping a notice watches album <laughs> yes, um, man. We have so many ideas, man. We want to do. Um, we want to start a brewery, Notice Brewing. We want to start a guitar company, Notice Guitars. Uh, I still, 
I'm, I'm going to put more music out eventually. Uh, probably not anytime soon because notice is like 100% my uh, taking up my attention now. But yeah, like all, all those things that kind of defined who we were uh, as kids, you know, and growing up, the, the things that brought me and Colin together in the first place, they're still very big parts of our lives. That's awesome. Yeah. So well, I have to ask before before yeah. I move on, I have to ask um, if you had one guitar, which one would it be? Ooh. <laughs> I'm a guitar player too, so I, I like the notes. Okay. Button. Well, I'm a Strat guy through and through. Ugh, gross. Oh, come on. <laughs> you you must I'm, be an SG guy then. Uh, I am Gibson. I grew up on classic rock, so I mean, I love those humbucking, okay. just like, yeah, you know, pedal to the floor type Marshall yeah. sounds, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, so I would uh, single coils. My um my GNL S five hundred. Uh, and okay. GML, basically it's um it's a small company actually based here in, in Fullerton which is about a 25 minute drive but uh Leo Fender the founder of Fender guitars he was like wow this this, this stuff is complete crap now you know they went mass production um, he had no creative direction anymore when they got investors and all that so yeah he left and started GNL and this is basically what Fender should have been uh, so I would pick that okay yeah nice also do some more research on that brand because I don't know that much about GNL, but um, they're a micro brand. Micro brand. Okay, perfect. Guitars. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. They're I, like I, I know the, the uh, yeah, they're like the 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 Raven for guitars. Okay. Nice. I know I know the Gibson equivalent, which is uh, Heritage. They they took up their old yeah. factory in Kalamazoo, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know that much about GNL, so I have to look that up. Yeah. But all the listeners didn't yes. know that there would be, be a special edition of the Guitars and Watches podcast right in the middle of what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was expecting that. All I know is that if anybody ever needs a drummer, I'm available. Uh, <laughs> Everybody <laughs> always needs kid. a drummer and everyone always needs a play, bass player. Yep. Uh, I was the only kid in college uh, that had the drum set with him, so that, uh, that made me pretty event. Yeah. Like it, was, it was helpful yep. when we were looking to, when I was looking to get into a band, I'm like, Oh, you play drums. Is your set here? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Come over. <laughs> no, it, it's funny. Actually, a lot of the, um, the other brand owners that we're very good friends with they're musicians too, you know, like Jason has a drum kit in his office. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys know Collins watches? No, no they're, uh, they're also, they're based out here. He also showcases at wind up, but Jimmy, he's a drummer and a keyboard player. Um, so we were just joking. Well, and Zach, by the way, Zach mentioned KTV on his podcast. He can sing. Like I know everyone can kind of hold a tune, but Zach can really sing. Um, so there's there's just a joke in in the industry. People are talking about maybe starting a micro band. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think you guys would sell some albums just people who are at least curious. Um, okay. At least, or or if you record it and just you know if somebody's got a yeah. you guys you have you guys have all like some of you guys I know John uh, at Brew is mm -hmm. you guys have a podcast he does too you guys probably have enough decent recording equipment you could probably crank out an album that was yeah. halfway decent quality. Yeah. Um, from from that from with the with the with the sound equipment you guys have that'd be interesting just just yeah. send us some demos well well maybe we, you know we could use a new theme song um, yeah <laughs> yeah well there we go perfect yeah. that would be hysterical well, I mean I know yeah. uh, Justin from Monta plays piano yes he's a great um, piano player so it's that's just that's hysterical yeah, uh, yeah. musicians and what that makes makes perfect sense yeah um, one so, day uh, one day one, yeah. one piece of feedback one piece yeah. of feedback when when you guys make your micro band. I really think that somehow you should incorporate like um, some sort of really distinctive sound, like right at the beginning and right at the end, and it'll be some even interval of time. So you can see whether you're the watch mm. that you have on is, is gaining or losing uh, time over <laughs> the length of the album. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think buzz, didn't you make a joke that didn't quite make it into a podcast that we did earlier that the, the, the watch, the watch brand or, or watchmakers band should be called Quartz Crisis. Yes. Yeah, that's right. They got, yeah, they got, they got trimmed uh, at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. I cannot Quartz Crisis it sounds in. like wow, a... Wow, I never thought that Yeah, would. okay. It had to make it back in. We had to get it that's back in. That's unbelievable, yeah. Unfortunately, it got to get trimmed because it got weird in one of the episodes, but... Uh... All right. Well, yeah, if, wow. if it happens, we will name it Quartz Crisis, and we'll give you a or portion of all the royalties. At least a song <laughs> yeah. called Quartz Crisis. Yeah, something like that. 
Anyway, uh, so uh, not to get too far away from watches, um, you guys have uh, a new model coming out, mm -hmm. uh, which you sent us some pictures of. And I know you guys have been teasing on Instagram for, for a while. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the Contrail too? Sure. Um, so the Contrail, it's, um, it's my personal favorite model. Um, but, you know, the, the first one, it it sold. It's it's all gone. It sold out eventually. But it was one of our slower performing models. So at the time, we really weren't sure if we were even going to bring it back, you know. But, um, you know, Cullen, Cullen and I talk all the time about things that we would redo or do differently. And there was just too much that we didn't address in the Contrail when we released it that we realized even if we don't put this out, Again, we have to, you know, we have to prototype it. We need to, we need to address all those things that we wanted to do on the first one, but we weren't technically te technically capable of doing. Um, so we basically did all that. We we took all the things that we would change. Um, one thing is, I actually have the old one here. Let me take a look so I can remind myself. But the um, the main difference that we wanted to achieve was the bezel. I'll, I'll show it on camera so you can kind of see, but. The bezel insert goes flat across. Yeah. Kind, mm -hmm. Yeah, kind yep. of like the, um, yeah, it's just, it's flat like the crystal. That wasn't the original plan. The plan was to have it be sloped. But the only way to achieve that back then for us was to use ceramic because ceramic's a little bit softer, easier to work with. But we didn't, we didn't want that. You know, our Avalon was going to be using ceramic. And also, one thing about ceramic is if you don't apply the loom properly, it starts to fall out or chip off and we didn't want to risk that. And at the time this came out right before the Avalon. So it was kind of like in during the time we were experimenting with working with ceramics. So we definitely weren't ready for that. Um, so we got these prototypes and we we're like, if there's no way around it, let's, you know, we'll just, we have to put it out. And then after that, we kind of started working with our own factories, our own supply chains. And we said, by the way, is there any way you can take this Sapphire and curve it? And they said, let's uh, let's try. So they actually made a Avalon out of bronze uh, and a curved sapphire crystal, which to me sounds really, really sexy. And I really want one. <laughs> they never sent it to us. Um, they kept it because I they probably liked it that much. And um, yeah, so so they realized it was possible. But it was with the Avalon that we started experimenting with this curved sapphire thing. Um, so we achieved it. And we were like, all right, cool. What else can we do? Um, you know, we we started working with a new date wheel manufacturer. Believe it or not, there are actually factories that are solely dedicated to making date wheels. That's um, yeah, right. <laughs> so so we we got them on board, and we ended up doing a. The watch enthusiasts call it a roulette date wheel, but roulette to me has to be black and red. That's kind of like if it, if it's not black and red, it isn't really roulette. So it's kind of yeah. roulette inspired, but we're just going to take the Rolex approach and call it a two colored date display. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we decide to do that. And I, I do want to talk a bit about that just because it's kind of significant uh, given, given the times, right? I, I don't know too much about the history of why Rolex started it, but they um, supposedly it came out in 1945, which was like the last year of World War II. And the idea was they were going to use it for rationing where you could buy certain things on certain days and other things on other days and being able to see either red or white made, or sorry, red or black made it easy to tell, Oh, today's an even day. I can only buy bread. And then, Oh, today's an odd day. I can go fill up the gas tank, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. There are some countries out there, China being one of them where this odd, even rationing system still is in play for things like traffic. Um, so India and China, they both use odd even rationing for traffic, where if your license plate ends in a odd number, you can drive on odd days. If it's an even number, you drive on even days, something, something like that. Um, so in the US, we don't really have that too much, but that toilet paper shortage and the pork shortage kind of reminded me of, you know, maybe <laughs> we might need to do this again. Um, so for, for me personally, at least, it's just kind of a reminder of, you know, 2020 was a weird year where everyone was being kind of self-absorbed and excessive. So that to me is like the release of this watch with that roulette wheel. Every time I look at it now, I'm going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, that's what happened in 2020. I know it's going to be hard to forget anyways. You know, this, this year has been crazy, but 
Um, but yeah, that that's the significance of that date wheel to me at least. Um, other things, glossy dial, enamel coated. We changed some of the indices. Uh, we stamped the case back. You know, they're they're just general improvements that watch enthusiasts would look at and, and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, that that's cool. I like that. Did uh, did you change anything with the the font on the bezel? I love that font. It's a little retro. It's a little little kind of soft and just kind of pleasing. It's, but without we being changed too it a much. bit. It's a bit wider. Yeah, it, we we made it a little bit wider. Um, you know, just wider but thinner. So it's not it's not quite as bold. I I thought over time it started to look a little bit cartoony. Mm -hmm. um, so we slimmed it down and um, made it a little bit wider, give it a bit more of a tool look. Um, yeah. yeah, and it uses BGW-9 loom now instead of C3, which, you know, the watch enthusiast. I think BGW-9 is having a moment just because of the cool blue glow. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, and then talk us talk to us a little bit more about uh, what – What's the dial that you're called? The the pebble uh, sandy looking dial. What, which which version is that one? Called? Yeah, that's the uh, the Laguna Sand. Um, yeah. yeah. So we haven't officially released all the names yet, but we're gonna keep the same name. This was on the version one as well. Um, but one thing that's different about this, at least the the dial treatment, is the Pantone is a little bit different. So um, this actually is quite dynamic. I think it's the most dynamic dial we've ever done. Uh, but it can appear red in some light, and it, it appears yeah. white in other light. You can't really see it through this uh, shitty MacBook camera, but <laughs> the um, that sandpaper dial is still very apparent. It's not quite as apparent in person as it is in photos, which I think is probably a good thing. Uh, but as far as the color goes, it, it's definitely the most interesting. Yeah, no, that one, definitely, the, uh, uh, that one pops. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, I think it's called the confetti dial that Rolex mm -hmm. did. I don't know. I don't know who posted on Instagram, but it was a super weird. It was like a I think it may have been a day date that they like sprinkled in different colors of like red and blue on top of like a almost champagne dial. Yeah. It was super, it was super strange, but like you you got the yeah. same tint out of it when you like held in the right lights. So that's that's really yeah. cool. Like that. Yeah, it's a fun one. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know, you get either a lot of love or a lot of hate for it. You know, some some people are like, yeah, it looks like dirt, whereas other people are like, it looks like sand, which to some people is a good thing. You know, at, actually, this watch uh, has started bringing us a lot of emails from people that live in places like near the beach or people that actually live. There's a there's a beach just south of me called Laguna Beach. Perfect. And um, one of our very first customers that bought this on the Control One, his dad lives in Laguna Beach, so he bought it for him. And um, yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things, you know, you get all these weird stories from customers and people either love it or they hate it. But yeah, I, I personally love it. I think it's cool. I mean, it reminds me of, uh, you know, whiskeys have different tasting notes and, you know, notes on the nose, you mm -hmm. know, why, why can't dials have different, uh, you know, visual notes on them, you know? Yeah. You just go deeper, you know, you find different things in them. So yeah. Yeah. So this actually is probably the only one out of the original batch of retrospects that we brought back pretty much in its original form. Like the, the black is completely glossy. The white is completely glossy. The blue in the last one was sunburst this time. It's also glossy. Uh, but this one, you know, we didn't really change anything other than the date and, you know, the, the changes that I mentioned before. But we brought it back pretty much in its true form because it's been the one that people are asking for the most. Yeah. That's funny because like out of your watches and like you can maybe talk us through this, but like my absolute favorite of the collection that you have is the duality, mm -hmm. um, especially the white dial with the, uh, I guess the 12 hour indicators on it. Yeah. Uh, not, not the non-dive bezel. Um, I just absolutely love that on the end of the, uh, the dual crowns you have lube on there. Uh, yeah. it just, it's so crazy. I don't, I've never seen anybody else do that. So I don't know, maybe you can talk us through that kind of design process. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, that was actually, that was our first watch where we really started pushing our factories to do some like wacky shit. And that yeah. was one of the wacky things that we wanted to do. Um, there's a brand called Alpina. They, uh, they're not a micro brand, but you know, they're, they're not, they're definitely not mainstream, but they do this thing where they put a mineral crystal in the crown 
And um, I, I thought that was a really cool look. So I wanted to do something similar, but I figured, you know, if we're going to go all out, why, why should we put mineral? Let's go sapphire. You know, it won't scratch, you know, people. I mean, you can always ding your crown and crack it, but even if it cracks, I think it's kind of cool. But, you know, it's one of those things that we um, had a lot of trouble doing with our manufacturer because of how tiny that little piece of sapphire is. So, um, you know, we, they managed to do it for us. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it came out. Um, but yeah, the, the duality is also really cool. That one, the duality is probably the closest competitor to the Contrail as far as like form and function and aesthetic go. They're both pretty dressy. They both have that travel bezel with the, with the 12 hour, you know, tracking two time zones. They're both a similar size. So yeah, they're, they're pretty similar. Yeah, I at some point in my life I will own a compressor style two crown case. I mean those those are just too too sweet. Um, yeah, yeah, they're awesome. The uh, Longines Legend Diver that's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, oh. You know the new Ferrer. I'm, I'm not sure what they call it, but they have an awesome compressor as well. We yeah, I can a, say I, I've tried on that that Longines Legend Diver, and it's an amazing watch on the wrist. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it, it is a bit big. It doesn't wear like how big it is, but it is a tiny bit big for me. Uh, but, you yeah. know, if they come out with like a, you know, 39, 40, no questions asked. I'm going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk, talking about, I mean, you're, you're wearing a Grand Seiko right now, and you mentioned that you and Cullen both kind of independently got into watches at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the watch that got you hooked? And what was, uh, you know, what, what was, I know you said Cullen was kind of into the big uh, Seiko mod scene. So uh, yeah. kind of talk us through what got you guys both started in, uh, in watches. I'm, I'm curious. Well, our first watches were like, you know, department store watches. Like his was a Titus, uh, some quartz PVD coated watch that he ended up shattering. He got in a skateboarding accident where he was totally unharmed, but his watch was completely destroyed. Um, he, what he told me is that when he stood back up, he obviously felt around if he's bleeding or any broken bones. Then he felt this weird thing in his pants, like in his back, uh, like near his ass. So he thought he maybe broke his tailbone or something, (laughs) but he reached down there and it was the watch. I don't know how the watch got back there, Um, (laughs) but yeah, so so that watch is gone. That's a hell of an accident. Because it ended up, because it ended up in that area. Uh, For for me, it was a uh, Tissot graduation present from high school. Uh, quartz. Uh, I think it's a PRC 200. I think that's the uh, the reference number. I still have it. I don't wear it. It's a dressy watch, so I, I don't, you know. Well, I'm, I'm saying that while I wear this, so that's kind of funny. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that that's kind of what started us. But the watches that got us really hooked was, you know, you have to be. It has to be automatic. So for him, he actually came to visit me in our third year in college. He visited Boston. And I surprised him with a SKX uh, 007, the Japanese one. Nice. And then, um, you know, super happy. That That's like the watch that starts all watch enthusiasts off. And then uh, he turns around and pulls out a Orient Ray, um, <laughs> which is kind of like the younger brother of the SKX. You know, the, <laughs> if you don't get started on the SKX, you get started on the Ray. So I, uh, so I wore that for a while. He wore that for a while. And that's what really got us hooked to mechanical watches. That's and from there, it all kind of, you know, it went it spiraled into micro brands and yeah. You're speaking my language on those. I've got uh, my Mako 2 and uh, mm-hmm. my SKX 09, but uh, yeah. 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 Fantastic. Those are, they're so impossible to fault. Uh, so yeah, much, they're great. So much goodness for so little coin. Mm-hmm. So if you if you take a look at your collection right now, what are the top? I'll say top three. What are the top three watches that you wear currently in your collection? Ooh, or I can make a top five. It's whatever, whatever, whatever you're feeling. <laughs> no, I can go with three. It's a little bit harder, okay. but I can definitely do it. Well, an easy one is this: the uh, Monta Triumph. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. 
I'm kind of having a moment with fixed bezel watches. So Monta Triumph for sure. This is on my wrist maybe five days out of the week now. Um, I actually, when I was stuck in Asia, I picked up a Helios Tropic, which is in behind me in this drawer, uh, Tropic B, which, you know, I know the C fourth is the one that really skyrocketed the brand and that's one that everyone wants, but the best design that Helios has ever come out with is the Tropic B. Anyone who disagrees can fight me. And then the last <laughs> one is, um, this probably this Grand Seiko actually. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely having the... a thing with uh, with fixies, but you know, I, I have a Raven Trekker, I have a Raven Solitude, um, I have a MK2 Crucible as well. Yeah. Um, that one came with me to Asia. So, yeah, no shortage of watches here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely digging that Grand Seiko. When I was like up in the air about which one, like I was gonna go after that that one, which I think you said was the SVGM two two one, which I, I believe is the one with the Grand Seiko near yep. the twelve o'clock logo. Yep. So yeah, that that's that's that one. Um, and up in the air between the uh, the SVGK zero zero five, which is the one I eventually settled on, like. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I totally agree. Like, I, Grand Seiko is an amazing watch brand. Um, yeah. And I, I, totally, I absolutely love mine, and I absolutely love that watch. Like, that watch is stunning. It's probably one of the best value propositions you can go for. Oh, definitely. In, you know, watch watches today. Like, it's yeah. an amazing, amazing watch with the value. Um, yeah. And I absolutely love that watch. Yeah, it's great. Grand Seiko is one of those brands that I think is starting to have a moment. But it's, uh, you know, it's still very, very underappreciated. You know the uh, the amount of watch that they can pack into a watch is pretty incredible. Yeah, and you guys... I think I saw something. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I was just gonna say I, I think I saw something on Instagram the other day, like the way they compared a uh, Grand Seiko, at least hands and marker finishing quality to a Patek Philippe. Mm-hmm. And that was Spencer. what I was gonna ask you guys. That was exactly what I was gonna ask you guys. The guy who's been yeah. doing this is called. Horo Mario, bro. Um, and I think he's been picked up by Time and Tide over in Australia. Like, follow him. His macro photography is amazing, but he's been doing a lot of like the side, like side views and ha- like super close up on the hands and showing like a Patek Philippe versus a Grand Seiko or a Jorn or whatever. And the yep. level of finishing on the Grand Seiko is unbelievable. It's just, yeah. it's unbelievable. The attention yes. to detail on the, on the hands is insane. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it put it, it's putting the brand in a whole new light among like the several thousand followers that this guy has, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and in addition yeah. Yeah. to all this world-class finishing, you know, we, we've got three different families of watch movements and we happen to invent two of them. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To invent quartz, to invent spring drive, and hey, we have some really sweet high beat automatics also. Yeah, it's unheard of. Yeah, yeah. I honestly well, don't know of any other brand that has that many different types of movements under their manufacturing, like from high beat to mechanical to spring drive to, uh, I guess. Am I missing one? What, what one am I missing? Nine F quartz, um, the one that you all yeah, have the nine F quartz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one I'll never consider buying. Yeah, that's the one. I'm so at least, <laughs> at least four that I'm thinking of, like under the same like manufacturer. Like who, who else does that? Like, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, when it comes to that kind of manufacturing. Yeah. So I do have to ask you guys. You guys are launching the Contrail too. Um, mm-hmm. What is next for Notice? What are you guys? I mean, you guys definitely have kind of a sport watch niche. We saw our buddies over at Monta kind of branch out a little bit and go a little bit dressier with their new, with their new piece. Mm-hmm. What are you guys thinking? Are you, are you bring, you've, you've done now the retrospect to the contrail two is that I think the Avalon's coming soon, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, the contrail two, it's going to be open for ordering end of this month. And then we'll end up shipping that end of September. The Avalon two, actually there's a retrospect three coming out uh, in the fall as well there's so the sector series we didn't really talk too much about that but Mm -hmm. actually the grand seiko is a good segue into that because we were heavily inspired by grand seiko design language in designing this um the the case in particular um oh you can see by there especially from the front you can kind of see it has similar bevels and angles to uh well to my watch (laughs) Um, it does actually quite a bit yeah 
Um, so yeah, the sector is going to see the uh, restock of the field and the dive, but we're also coming out with a sector pilot, our very first pilot watch, um, as well as a sector sport. The sector sport is an interesting one because it's pretty dressy. It, I would say it's probably comparable in, in terms of the, you know, the need that it fills as the new Manta that you just mentioned, the Noble. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sport watch, but it's pretty shiny. You know, you, you definitely can wear it to the beach, but you would probably wear it better in a boardroom. There is a dress watch in the making, actually, but we're mm. not we're not even close to, to finishing that. You know, the thing about a dress watch is that it needs to be really interesting, you know? Mm. And, you know, you can say it about most watches, but in particular for a dress watch, you know, you need depth to the dial and you're so much more limited by the things that you can do, right? You, you want to have applied indices, cool, but you have to do something to it to make someone that isn't really a dress watch person wear it. Um, so we've been working on that for like a year and a half now and um we're not even close so that'll come out next year probably um we're also we have a in-house clasp designed uh, right now it's in manufacturing with a diver's extension that should be a lot of fun and uh that should be out with the avalon 2 which comes in the early winter okay yeah so most of our releases were kind of backloaded to this part of the year you know partially because of COVID, partially because of um, me being stuck in Asia. But that was also because of COVID, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So all thanks to COVID, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I mean, not, like I said, there, there's the one thing that I did point out in one of the, in one of the pieces on the um, retrospect was clasp is just fine, but it's nothing really special. You know, we, yeah. we and, yeah. and I'm really curious to see where you guys are taking the in-house design on the class because that – that's really kind of like the the, the to, mm-hmm. uh, jokingly the missing link for me for me on the, <laughs> on the yeah no it, the missing like, missing spring bar exactly yeah <laughs> um, on, on the retrospect which again like I said not a complaint you know for for the price point you guys are at the class works it works it's just fine it it never felt not secure it just it wasn't anything that made me be like wow this is you know really you know something exciting it was a good it was a good clasp. Um, so I'm really curious to see where you guys are going with that. Um, cause that, I think is, that was the one piece that I thought was a little bit, mi- not missing, but like could, could be improved. Um, cause yeah, cause, know, the rest of that watch as, is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. As far as the clasp goes, you know, the funny thing about this industry is that there's a reason why most brands use the same kind of clasp, you know, either mm-hmm. the one that we have or that really bulbous ratcheting one, uh, something that you can expect to see in the next within the next six months is that everyone's going to be using the new Christopher Ward clasp. Um, I'm not sure how that happened. Maybe their factory leaked the design, but you're going to start to see a lot of brands use that one. Uh, that's kind of an easy way out for us. You know, it's a great clasp. But it has an extension. It's thin. It looks good. It's simple, but we didn't want to do that just because we were like, are we serious about this? Like, are we going to do this notice thing for the rest of our lives? And hopefully when we're gone in, in, 50 years, hopefully we last that long. When we're gone, you know, can this thing continue? And the answer is, yeah, we want, that's what we want. You know, that's what we envision. And the only way we can achieve that is if we pull out all the stops and invest everything and, you know, put put all of our time, all of our capital, all of our energy into doing these novel things. Um, most of those things won't be recognized by pretty much anyone, even within the watch industry. Even watch enthusiasts might see things like a, uh, custom clasp as just, you know, a waste of time or marketing effort or whatever. Um, you know, but for us, that's not our, you know, it, we won't feel like it's ours until we make everything in house. So that's really the reason why we did it. And, you know, chances are, we're probably going to open it up for other brands because we're friends with pretty much all the other brands that we know personally. And, you know, we want their watches. Like I just named a bunch of watches that I have that aren't made by us some of them actually would benefit from having this new clasp. So, so yeah, it's something that we'll definitely consider opening up. Uh, not consider, we definitely will open it up to, to other brands as well. That is something that I will say. It seems like there's a bit of a, of a camaraderie with, with a lot of the, you guys in the micro brand space. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. going and singing karaoke in New York after wind up is one of the things you guys, you know, do, <laughs> but um, it seems like everybody, it, it, you guys, are in a way competitors, but also in a way 
like all brothers in arms or sisters mm-hmm. in arms in the case of, of Lauren at Laurier, yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know, in arms, it, it's, it's, it's kind of unique in that, in that sense. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been really refreshing to talk to all of you because you guys are all into watches. You all are very passionate about it and you guys all have great designs and ideas and they're all, I don't, they're not derivative. They're all different. Like yeah. if I pick yeah. up a Manta, it's completely different than the notice retrospect that I had. I mean, Buzz was over here with mm-hmm. his SkyQuest the other day and like, they're completely different. Um, Spangler's got a Laurier and it's fantastic. And it's again, completely different than everything else. I mean, it, yeah. everybody's kind of carving their own space. And the nice thing is, is as somebody who's into watches, there's so many good designs out there. There's so many great designs and you get a lot of that. To be honest, most of it now is coming from the microbrand space. Like you can get all these awesome looking watches. And I mean, yes, everybody is using similar movements depending on where you source them from. But realistically, nobody can make a, a watch movement that is nearly as accurate as the Casio that I have. I have a couple of yeah. Casios. So Casio Quartz watches, I mean, we could argue Grand Seiko 9F again, that's <laughs> on a different level, but like, Mm-hmm. The, the movement isn't what I mean. The, the fact that it has an automatic movement in it is great. Like that's kind of what I'm being drawn to. Although let's be real, I really like John's Mecha Quartz movement. I had some time with that Brew Retrograph. That was sweet. Yeah. But like, um, it's not about. Yeah, the I have one of those too. I love that watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great watch. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I'm, I'm being more drawn to design lately, and yeah. the design that you get out of a out of a micro brand. Notice Manta Brew Laurier. I don't think there's anybody who uh, uh, Rick Rick at Cincinnati Wash Company. Yeah. I love Rick. Rick's mm-hmm. a great guy. Yeah. Uh, like all the stuff that's coming out is wholly unique, and it's it's in such a it's in an affordable price bracket. Like you can I can go out and conceivably buy all of these at some point, mm-hmm. and own them and and get to know people like you, and, and it's just it's it's a great time to be a watch nerd because there's a lot of cool stuff going on and the design's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a lot of. Um you know, brotherhood that we feel with each other, but it's, I mean, it's partially because of what we do for a living, you know, no one's really going to understand what it's like to run a brand like this. Um, you know, there are a lot of parallels that you can draw to, to microbreweries, like, you know, the, the brewery that you go to down the street or, you know, and any other kind of small business owner. But, you know, when I talk to Steve, who's, you know, now one, he's, he's one of my closest friends now. Um, and so that's another that another thing that's kind of weird, like all of these brand owners like Steve or Bill or Jason, these are guys I look up to for many years, you know, when I was in, in college and getting into watches, I looked at these guys like heroes and now I have their number and I can call them and be like, hey, man, uh, let's let's just talk. You know what I mean? And that's kind of a weird feeling too. Um, you know, meeting um, Lorenzo and Lauren and Justin and, and Mike from Monta, like, these are all people that I can consider friends for life now, you know, but it's, it's more than just that because our work is also very closely related, you know, so we can talk about, we can bounce different ideas as far as design goes off of each other. We can help each other out with different things. If we have any trouble with manufacturing or if we have a uh, quote unquote influencer that's been stealing watches, for example, you know, we, we have all this communication between us because we're friends and it helps us all rise together which is really the key here because, you know, micro brands aren't competing with each other as much as people would think so from the outside, you know, but we're never going to compete with a brand like Raven or a brand like Mark II or a brand like Orion. You know, these are all brands that we consider them friends. What it really is, is all of us kind of competing against the big brand. If, If there is any competition at all, which I don't even really think there is, but if there is any, it would be us against the big swatch groups and the, the, you know, the Rolexes and the Patek Philippe's, you really can't compare the, the product that we make and the product that they make. But if there was any comparison, that would probably be the one that I would make. Yeah, now that's a, that's a really, it's an interesting take. I mean, it's, it's just interesting to, to hear that perspective coming from you. And I, we, we get the same thing from a lot of the brand owners we talk with and it, it's, 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 it's refreshing and it's, it's a, it's an interesting take and it's weird. It's, it's like, there's, I mean, there is competition, but there's not, it's not in the way that you would think. It's just, it's a different way to think about it. And it's just interesting. Well, if you look at the brands, like most of the micro brands, you know, all, all the brands of our size in our space, they're sold out of a lot of things. 
And that's really indicative of the fact that the market is bigger than the supply. You know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. still space to be filled. There's still room for for us to either increase our production or new players to come in. You know, there's space. And end of the day, like this is a lot of fun. Yeah, we we make a living off of this, but this is fun and this is passion and this gives people something to talk about. You know, something to bond over. Uh, you know, that's probably my favorite part of the job. Not so much now, but before this whole COVID thing happened, going to meetups, throwing parties, like our end of the year party last year, we decided it's going to be an annual thing. And this year, those plans are completely crushed. But, you know, <laughs> we we throw an end of year party for all the Southern California residents who are also customers of not only Notice, but Monta and Raven and like all the brands that we talked about in this podcast, you know, that's my favorite part of it. It's really the getting to know the enthusiasts, getting to know the customers, you know, making sure that I know them by name and face instead of just an email or an Instagram handle or an invoice number. That's a lot more fulfilling for me. And I would say I'd, I'd be bold enough to say that that's probably the best part for pretty much every other brand owner out there. We've, we've heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're in good company there. It's so much fun from the customer's perspective, right? If I uh, waltz into an AD and am, am lucky enough to be bestowed the opportunity to uh, purchase a Rolex, I mean, Hans Wildorf's robot ghost isn't going to, uh, you know, say, <laughs> like my stuff on Instagram, right? They, they don't yeah. give a crap about me. But, yeah. but you know... You, you take a picture of, of something that you just bought from, from one of the micros, it's a pretty good chance that you'll get a, hey, great, great shot or, or something like that mm-hmm. from their account, which is run by the people that run the business. Just that, that sense of yeah. connection that you, you feel like you can connect you know, with, with, with the, these brands and the, the people that have started um kind of at this personal level uh, that, that's that's yeah. so much fun that's that's a an additional level beyond just well i bought this expensive bling good um mm-hmm. it's just it's an, it yeah, an additional sure. benefit yeah steve uh from raven puts it best you know he um he buys watches from all of these companies that we talked about because he wants to look back when he's when he's done, you know, pro- properly done with Raven, uh, hand the reins to whoever follows him. When he's done, he wants to be able to look back at these watches and remember not just what he did, but remember the people that he did this with. You know, so he he almost looks to all of these other brands as colleagues more than competition. Uh, and by the way, if you guys get a chance to get him on the podcast, I highly recommend it. He's he's a really fun, really interesting guy. Oh, we definitely need to reach. I mean, I've. We kind of joked and we didn't mention it with Zach when he was on, but I think the collaboration that those two guys did, uh, Warren and Wound and Raven, Mm -hmm. the Trekker, yeah, yeah, the Trekker, uh, 50 pieces. I think two or three of them reside in Cincinnati um, of that limited edition. (laughs) So I know our buddy Noah's got one and I think um, John has one. And I don't know if Nick has one or not. I can't remember, but I at least two, if not three of the 50 are in the greater Cincinnati area, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah that's my, uh, my favorite worn and wound collab, uh, that and the, uh, Laurier one, which I assume that's the one that you have Evan, right? It is. I do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to snag one of those. Yeah. Yeah. That actually spoke to Lauren quite a bit because the, there was the rumor that it was a conspiracy that that watch never actually hit the market. It only went to influencers and, we are not influencers <laughs> on this podcast. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, I just have Apple Pay, so that's why I was able to get one. So that's the secret. All right. Yeah. Because right. I, I, yep. too, and literally as soon as it, it the the clock hit the dot, I I tried to get one, and was sold out. So that's because you're in Los oh. Angeles, and it was in New York, and the the cable's really long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I need Apple Pay, and I have to fly to New York to get this watch. Yeah, yeah that's you the make sure you're in New York the next time they release one you want. Yeah. That might help. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I practiced for about 20 minutes before they actually launched it at whatever time. So I mean, I like made sure yeah. all my information was correct. I had to press two buttons basically. Like, yeah, done. that's hysterical. Anyway, no, I, I, I uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't have any more questions. I don't know the uh, Buzz and Evan. I know we, we've probably easily hit our hour plus. We always joked that if you go back and listen to our first episode, we joked that it was going to try to be a concise uh, recap of, of what's going on in the watch world. Um, but then COVID hit and we got to start to talk to cool people like Wes and everybody else we've had on. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm not going to not going to cut anything short by any means. So, uh, Wes, no. we're really excited about what you guys have coming out. We really appreciate you lending us the, the retrospect too for quite some time here. Um, you know, we're really excited to see what's next for, for notice and, uh, we wish you all the best and thank you for coming on and hanging out with us for a bit. Yeah. Thanks to you guys as well. Uh, this honestly has been the most fun I've had on a podcast. Maybe it's partially because of the amount of booze I've had, but uh, <laughs> just the, the breadth of topics that we talked about this, uh, this felt really good. Um, and yeah, if you guys want to check out any of our other pieces, whether it's that duality or um, you know this new Laguna Sand, I'd be more than happy to connect you guys with, uh, with Cam and figure something sure. out, send something your way to play around with. Yeah, that'd be great. And then uh, actually, you know, obviously they can find you at Notice Watches. Uh, is it at Notice or at Notice Watches on Instagram? It's at Notice Watches, N-O-D-U-S. Okay. Yep. And the website is www.noticewatches.com. Yep. And then um, uh, I would if you say- wanna, If anyone wants to reach me personally, then uh, Wesley at noticewatches.com uh, or on Instagram at Wes underscore Quack. That's W uh, W E S underscore K W O K. Uh, that's probably the quickest way to reach me. Okay, and then uh, we'll look forward to that new album you guys have coming out at some point. Um, oh yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> and, and it's a band to be named later. Uh, looking forward to that the title track, Quartz Crisis. Um, <laughs> looking forward to that drop. Um, but anyway, no, Wes, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute blast, and uh, we hope everybody enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at zeitswatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z-E-I-T-Z. -E